you know, kind of powerfully, we, we hear this reading from the Hebrews, and it speaks of all those who had been following Christ. And yet, he says, at times you were publicly exposed to abuse and affliction. You endured a great contest of suffering. You know, and is the followers of Christ um, experience much suffering? You know, and the reality is that we all do. And not just because we follow Christ, but because we've got original sin. Because we're all fallen. You know, there's no, no one here is perfect. And nor do we live in a perfect world. Um, but we get beat up. And life is tough sometimes. And we carry a lot of crosses. And we carry a lot of weight. And, and, and that's kind of written reason. You know, sometimes people say, you know, um, well, I don't need this unbound stuff. You know, that's, that's for somebody else, you know. And it's like I usually tell people, well, if you've got original sin, you can use it. <laughs> there, there's really nobody out there who can. So I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you for coming. You know, and um, you know, I'm just going to do a quick survey real quick. How many of you have owned the book Unbound by Neil Lozano? Okay, about everybody. Great. Okay, now how many have, have read the first nine chapters? Okay, most of you too. That's awesome. Okay, that's a great preparation. That's really, um, if you haven't read those yet, um, grab, buy a book and dig in. Um, also, I encourage you to get the, uh, the uh, companion guide. Okay, because my talks are basically based on Neil's talks. So it is an unbound conference. It is an unbound retreat. And so um, I'm kind of duty-bound to follow his. Now, I use kind of my own, my own experiences and, and kind of filled in with that. Um, I don't have all this. Some, I use some of his stories. I use some of my own. Um, but that's kind of where it comes from. So you can kind of follow the logic of the, of the talk by following the outline there. Okay? And I'll be very honest that, um, that that companion guy, when I first experienced Unbound, it was afterwards I was watching the DVDs, I think it was, and, and I was actually praying through that, that I probably received most of my, uh, a lot of my healing just by praying through those little questions. They're like, every day has a question. You know, and you can, after this retreat, you can take it home and you can pray with those on a daily basis, kind of work your way back through it. Um, it really is a very, very powerful thing. And so I, I, I and, you know, God has been preparing, God prepares us for things in life in so many ways, you know, um, sometimes um, um, Our Lady gives us special graces that, that lead us uh, in, in a path that we're supposed to go, um, but God prepares us in many, many different ways, you know, and, and sometimes there's, there's uh, we can't really explain it, because you may have had this last week, might have been just a week full of anticipation and joy and, and, and just a, a, a fire on fire hope of what God's going to give you. This week could have been really lousy too. You could have been filled with temptations and struggles and attacks and everything in the world that was trying to get you not to come. Um, it could have been filled with all kinds of stuff. There may be questions answered here that you've been looking for for, for for a long time. You may finally, or you may get an answer. You may get a question that you'll have to look for for a long time. <laughs> You know, it may go both ways, you know, uh, and God is very merciful, but he's always very, um, he knows where we are, he knows what we need, um, and, and I just I listened recently to a, uh, um, by Roy Schumann, I think it is, and uh, he was a, a Jew who had been, went to MIT and then to Harvard and was a professor there at 29 and had this incredible, became an atheist and had this incredible experience of God and the Blessed Mother, and, and when he was in front of God, basically he was he didn't know who God was and he had no idea, and he says, well, God, if you're, if you're Buddhist, Buddhist, Buddha, then I'll be become a Buddhist, and if you're a Krishna, I'll become a, a Hindu or whatever, you know, and if you're some Roman thing, then I'll become a pagan, Roman pagan, but I just hope you're not Christ, because I don't want to become a Christian. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, though, he says that God respected his prayer. He didn't tell him, because he knew he wasn't ready yet. 
you know, and there's, there's the God of mercy and love. You know, we, he, he's so free to accept us where we are that he'll accept even a prayer that we think, well, that sounds kind of weird later on, but God takes us where we are. You know, so there's no prayer that's not, um, not, uh, that not God's not going to listen to. He is, he's, he's, he's really incredible. You know, and so I, this first talk, now I, I'm going to explain this to you, is that this is, like I said, modeled off of Neil Lozano's conference. And so it's his main talks, um, and that I'm kind of reproducing in, in my own way here for you. Um, so that means the, 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 they're going to be long, and the homilies are going to be long, because they're actually a conference talk, okay? And so I'll, I'll, I've kind of scrunched as much as I can, but, but the, there, there, there's a lot here, okay? So just to give you a heads-up warning, um, there's no 30-minute masses, okay? Um, it, it, you're going you're to have to be, uh, be, find a comfortable seat. If you bring a pillow, bring a pillow, okay? Um, but uh, we'll move forward, okay? Um, you know, one of the, the beautiful things is, is God has been preparing you. And we may say, well, why me? You know, why am I here? And I tend to ask this question to myself sometimes. Back in 2014, um, I basically had a, a very maybe naive, I would call it perhaps, because um, I didn't know. I've learned a lot about it since then. Um, but there was someone who came to me for help um, and was deeply involved in demonic witchcraft. Um, and I basically ended up being a recipient of a number of curses and spells and attacks, um, and, uh, which I'll share a little bit with you in the afterwards or throughout the weekend, perhaps. Um, but in my struggle for freedom and healing, God introduced me to Unbound at a conference in Omaha at Neil Lozano in uh, the summer, uh, I think June, I think it was, maybe in, July, in 2014. Um, and it was a tremendous blessing in my life. You know, um, my story and path is not yours, Okay. Um, I, I, I sure hope you haven't traveled that path. Um, I'll be very honest. Um, but I, have, I may have come by a, this rather extreme path, um, and that's probably not your situation. But everybody has their own. You know, every life is different. Every life is unique. You know, and, and, and one of the beautiful things is, is that God's walking with us wherever we are, wherever we are. You know, I, I kind of like to say it, it, um, I might be, uh, you know, be sometimes two steps ahead of you and at times one step behind you. Um, but I'm walking with you, and I still am. I still am, you know. Um, I'm not an expert. I am no expert on this, okay? I, I, have, I have experienced it, and I have helped people with it, um, but I'm, I'm no expert. Um, it's kind of like being on a tour bus. You ever been on a tour bus? You know, you've got the tour director up front, and he, he, he drive, he, you're, you're going to wherever you're going, wherever in the country you are, or another country, you know. And the tour director will say, look over here, this is what this is. And he'll tell you just enough to get you off the bus, and you go look at it. And that's about where I'm like. I'm a tour director. I'm on the tour bus. And I'm going to point out what's important out here, and enough to get you off the bus to go take a look at it. That's my goal, okay? And, if you, and you've already done that, because God's brought you here. And you've got the book, and you've been reading it, and that's awesome. If you're still reading it, or if you have read it, I invite you to, to kind of note down the things that the Holy Spirit raised up. Okay? The memories that came up, that maybe you didn't think about before. That's where the, that's where the Holy Spirit's moving. That's, that's what you want to bring to prayer. And if you don't know what this whole prayer thing is about, I'll be talking about that in this talk also. But just to let you know, you know, uh, right up front, that this is not like a couple of people standing over you chanting and screaming or something. Okay, <laughs> that's not what this is. Um, this is like uh, two people who are, who are your best friends and who are just listening to you and helping you walk through the five keys as a companion, as a friend. And they might ask you a few questions. They might say, you know, just to help you kind of think yourself through. 
And so if you, if you don't know what it is, if you haven't read the book, you know what, because sometimes being prayed with is kind of a scary thing. Us Catholics don't do stuff like that, you know. Um, and so um, it, is a, it is something that's very, very beautiful, actually. Um, and Neil said, you know, uh, when the greatest sign of success, you, just, you come out and realize that, you know, you've, uh, you've been loved and you've been cared for. And that's usually what, they, what the teams are. It really is. It's a very beautiful experience. And, and I have no doubt that, um, you know, uh, that you, you have a good experience also. So this talk, talk, talk title is called, What is Deliverance? You know, um, deliverance, you say that word and you may get all kinds of things may come in your head. You may think of the Exodus movie. Or you may think of what they're over here. It may kind of freak you out. And, and, and for Catholics, this is kind of like a word that is, we don't ever heard before. We don't, we don't talk like this. You know, and, and really, what is deliverance? So it's really about taking a hold of um, the full freedom that God has for you in his kingdom. You know, we talked in the gospel tonight about you know, the kingdom of God. You know, the kingdom of God is very small like a little seed, and it very grows imperceptibly, you know. And that seed was planted in your hearts when you were baptized. The very life of God, heaven itself, was given to you. God's life began to dwell inside of you in sanctifying grace. And it's growing, and it's still growing. Um, as every time you go to Mass, every time you see the sacraments, you know, it's still going. Another thing I got, I'll say also is, I talk fast. Uh, I wish I couldn't, but I, I just do. So I apologize. I'll try and slow down if I can remember. Um, if you go stand up and wave your arms or something, put a put a stop sign up or something, um, that's fine too. Um, but I, I do talk fast, and I'm not. And that's one of my weaknesses, I guess. Sometimes I tell people that my brain doesn't engage until my mouth opens. You know, then my brain starts to work. I think I think I'm, I'm wired that way. I don't I don't understand it, but it works that way for me. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the great stories that Neil shared in his book also was um, kind of an example of how he restored uh, the, the woman from Rwanda um, and from what the enemy had stolen from her. You know, I, I just thought that was such a beautiful story. You know, this woman, during the Rwanda massacre, you know, they killed 900,000 people in 90 days, and, and neighbors hatched, hatched each other. It was a horrible, horrible thing about 20 years ago or so when it was. You know, and, and she had hidden the forest at this time. And she returned still in fear, and she returned and found all her family had been killed. She was the only one left in her family. And, and, and also that she was, um, and she herself was abused. And she never really said how, but, but, um, uh, it, she, but herself was hurt too. You know, and one thing, she had a, a great fear of, of, and she had clung to this, this lie that somehow that she was ugly. And, and she had this, hor- this incredible fear that she would never basically look at herself in a mirror. You know, and when she was being prayed with, um, you know, for example, she had shared that she had, she carried with her a little broken shard of glass, and this little broken shard of glass, she would look at maybe her eyes, or maybe her mouth, or maybe her hair, and she never would look at her soul, her whole face, her whole self, you know, because she had believed this lie that she was ugly, um, and that she was um, worthless, um, you know, and and this was a, a, a lie that she had taken in. And as she renounced the lie that she was ugly, you know, she, she, she went back to school after being prayed with. And, and, you know, she had this new life inside of her. And she realized that this was, her life was different now when she got rid of that lie. That lie that had been, she'd been holding on to for so long in her life. Um, she, there was a big mirror at the end of the hallway in her, in her school. And she always avoided that. Um, but this time, um, you know, the, she encountered the, real, the true reality of deliverance. That deliverance is the freedom to see as God sees. And what happened at that, school, at that moment, she stepped in front of the mirror for the first time, and who knows how long, and she looked at herself, and she gasped, and she says, I'm beautiful. You know, and that's deliverance, to see as God sees. 
Because God sees everyone as beautiful because he made them in his image. Deliverance is a good word. It's being delivered out of our lies, out of the things we falsely hold on to, out of the wounds and hurts of our life. That's deliverance. That's what deliverance is. It's a good word. The trials of life kind of that you may have gone through this last week are, are, not, are, are also something that God uses. You know, one of the things that those trials and struggles in our life show us is they show us our heart. They kind of like take the veil off our heart. They show us what's really there. Is it anger? Is it fear? You know, um, all these things that maybe kept us and were stirring our hearts this week, perhaps. You know, what, what, it, a lot of times the struggles bring out what's kind of really on the inside. We think about God and his goodness and his desire to save and heal us. That's where we have to come back to now. That reality that, you know, he has brought you here and he has a plan for you. He has a plan for you, you know, and he brought you here. Um, and that he wants goodness for you and he wants to help you. He wants to save you and to heal you. You know, one of the beautiful things I heard one time morning on KVSS, the Catholic radio station, uh, Sister Ann Shields, and she talked about Jesus. She talked about Jesus being our Savior. You know, we've all heard that. But she said something that I never heard before, and I had to take, I've never forgotten it. I've shared it with people because it was really a light, and I share that with you. She talked about Jesus. Jesus is our Savior. She says, but he's not just a Savior once 2,000 years ago. Jesus wants to save you every day from your fears from your loneliness, from your despair, from your sadness. Jesus wants to save you every day, in the midst of your life every day. We don't think like that, but we need to think like that, that Jesus wants to save us every day, all the stuff that we carry with us and our burdens us. That's what he wants to save us from. Deliverance is really moving into a new kingdom, you know, we talked about the kingdom of God and, and what this looks like in, in the gospel. was moved into a new kingdom. You know, at, at baptism, we moved into the kingdom of God because we began to have life of God dwell within us. We became part of his kingdom, part of his family. And deliverance is moving out of something into something. You know, it's moving out of a lie, out of a, out of a fear, out of this into a truth, into something that God is holding for us. Moving from a place of believing a lie or seeing yourself the way to, to seeing yourself the way God sees you and not seeing ourselves in the lies and words that hold us in bondage. You know, that's really the freedom. That's the new deliverance is not being held by those things anymore. It's really something, a very great theme in sacred scripture in Israel's history um, and really their identity. You know, slaves, they were slaves and, and yet they understood their identity as God's children. And God's people, even they were slaves for 400 years. You know, our country's around 250. They were for 450 years there in slaves in, in Egypt. But they still knew themselves as God's children, God's people. God delivers his people from slavery. Exodus 13, 8 to 10 says, And on that day you will explain to your son, This is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. It will be like a sign on your hand and a reminder on your forehead. So the teaching of the Lord will be on your lips. With a strong hand, the Lord brought you out of Egypt. You will keep the statute as a point in time from year to year. So God was telling him, says, tell this forever. I saved you. I took you out of Egypt. You know, it's Jesus' personal history as a Jew. In our own story, we have been delivered from darkness to light. You know, the Old Testament has great awareness of this reality of darkness. Isaiah chapter 60 says, Though darkness covers the earth and thick clouds, the, people upon, the peoples upon you the Lord will dawn. 
and over you his glory will be seen. God always speaks this idea that, yes, there's darkness, but the glory of God is going to shine into your lives, and he's going to bring light. Satan's kingdom to God's kingdom is the deliverance is moving from his kingdom to God's kingdom. 1 John chapter 5 says, we know that we belong to God, and the whole world is under the power of the evil one. Acts chapter 26, verse 18, one of the, one of the really, I think it's just one of the, one of the beautiful moments in, in the scripture, because we see St. Paul, and we had St. Paul's conversion just, um, just about, about a week ago. And in this beautiful chapter, this is right where St. Paul is converted in his conversion. And it says this, And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And then Jesus says this, But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you to serve and bear witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles to whom I send you, to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to, the, to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. The very words of Jesus to St. Paul in his conversion was to turn the people from darkness to light. That's what he does. That's what deliverance is all about. You know, it's that beautiful turn that God wants to turn in our lives. Darkness into light. Bondage into freedom. When Jesus came to, uh, to, uh, to uh, he, what he came to do, 1 John says, Whoever sins belongs to the devil because the devil has sinned from the beginning. Indeed, the Son of God was revealed to destroy the works of the devil. That's what he came for. He came to destroy his kingdom, destroy his power, destroy his works in everywhere life, in everywhere True freedom is in John chapter 8. A slave does not remain in a household forever, but as a son, always remains. So if the son frees you, then you will truly be free. Because Jesus is the son of the father's house, and he sets us free. A more complete understanding of deliverance involves knowing that, one, deliverance is not exorcism. Okay? That's, a, that's when we got to kind of confront here. Deliverance is not exorcism. Okay? It's not um, whatever those movies are. You know, it, it, That's not what's going on here. Okay, Exorcism, what is that? It's a rite of the Catholic Church. Rite, R-I-T-E, not R-I-G-H, R-I-T-E. It's a rite, it's a ritual uh, of the Catholic Church given by a priest who has the authority, authorization of the bishop. It is prayers and blessings that make it more painful for the demon to stay than for it to remain. And so it usually takes a long time. It isn't like a one, it's something that they, it's, it's anchored itself inside their, they've, they've, and that also they've had to give it permission, so to say, to do, do that. But it's all these prayers and blessings that this priest with the authority of the bishop, who is the successor of the apostles, and, and that's what happens. That's exorcism. It's, it's a very specific thing. There's a very, very big difference between exorcism and non-confrontational deliverance. This is what we call unbound, non-confrontational and what that means is that we're not going there to uh, ask questions of a demon or, or a spirit or anything else because, you know what, um, you're, not actually, you're not possessed, okay? <laughs> right? um, that's the reality. Now, what's the reality? Is that, okay, we've all got, um, remember how you always you know, you used to watch the cartoons and you had the good little angel on one side and the battle angel on the other side, okay? Well, we've all still got those. Okay, that's real. <laughs> okay, um, that means we have, we have, well, how does God talk to us? What's angel mean? The word angel means messenger. Who are the messengers from? God to us, us to God. Okay, how do they give us that message? It's a good thought. Maybe it's call mom today. 
Or why don't you help that person across the street? Or why don't you send a little note to so-and-so? Or why don't you kind of sit by this person at the lunchroom or over here? You know, it's that little thought that comes in that's a good. That's how the angel speaks to us and gives us God's insight, God's grace. And what's the other side do? Hey, why don't you just keep being mad at them? Don't call them. You know, they should have called you in the first place anyway. You know, and all these little things that come through our mind, okay? That's not always us, okay? Sometimes it's the enemy trying to stir up that hurt and that wound in our life, okay? And so what, what, what non-confident deliverance is, is, saying, is how to tell that little dude over there, say, get away from me. I'm done with you. I don't want you around anymore. Now, isn't that kind of fun? That's the reality, is that we can say, I'm, I don't want that anymore. I'm tired of dealing with that anger, with that frustration, with that bitterness, with that hurt. You know, I, I don't need it. You know, there's, that's what this means. You know, a silly example. I kind of remember, you know, maybe it was Elmer Fudd or, or somebody in the cartoons when I was growing up. But, you know, maybe they'd be trying to drag somebody out of the house and they'd be stretching like rubber bands, you know. And they'd be clinging to a, to a doorknob or something, you know. Um, maybe it was like me when I was a kid going to the dentist. Same kind of thing, you know, clinging to the house rails or whatever it is. No, I don't want to go. Okay. Um, but maybe imagine that, you know. There's two ways. This whole idea of, 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 of non-confrontational deliverance. It's kind of like that. Well, how do you get uh, the little guys or the person's hand, fingers off the, off the rail? You've got to peel them off, and, and you've got to really rip their fingers off to get them out. Okay, that's kind of like possession and, and exorcism. You really have to rip them out. Okay? Now, the other way is do this way. is just take the doors off the hinges or take the rails away so there's nothing to hold on to. Then you just walk right out. Okay? That's non-confrontational, non-confrontational deliverance. You take away what they hold on to. That's what it is. So there's no big deal about it. It's just taking, what are they holding on to? What are they sticking to in my life? I'm going to get rid of that. Then they can't stay there anymore. They can't bother anymore. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's, so it's, sometimes we have to have it in some different ways to kind of realize that this is stuff we all deal with. Okay? This is, we just don't realize that we're dealing with it. No, that's all it is. Um, and so deliverance is a transfer of one kingdom to another. Deliverance includes the freedom from, being, from the influence of evil spirits, Evil spirit behind many of our negative emotions and passions. Because, but because of our weakness, we let them leak into our lives through the wounds that cause uh, a tear in our lives. You know, that reality that they got in through a hurt, through a wound. Maybe somebody uh, in humiliating me when I was in a certain, certain grade, first grade or whatever Neil tells a story about. And so there's a fear there. or There's a anger there. And they get in through a wound. And they have a, like a foothold in that, in that wound. And that's how they hold on to it. You know? And so it's about really getting rid of that stuff. For example, a hurt or wound can make us angry. So, and realize anger has two types. It has righteous anger that says, I want to make things right. And that's a good thing. Okay? We should get angry about things like abortion and things like that. We should say, I'm angry about that. And I want to make it right. I want to change it. Okay? Unrighteous anger is where we want to hurt the person. Or we want to do, do just justify ourselves. We want to try and stand, you know, make, make excuses for a situation and foster that, dis, that disposition towards them. You know, a, a number, of, number of different emotions are connected with anger, for example. Bitterness, resentment, revenge, hatred, condemnation, self-pity, and fear of anything, any one of these. You know, that's all connected with anger. You know, so a wound that was brought anger into our life. I remember asking one person one time, I go, do you remember when you were first really, really angry? And instantly they knew. 
They were so many years old, two or four or five years old, and somebody hurt them in this way. Instantly they knew, you know, where that anger came from the first time. You know, and that's what sometimes really unbound is you, the whole the reason why you have that, that team, so to say, helping you is to find out where it started. You know, you can always kill a plant by getting the roots out of the ground. If you just keep cutting the, the tops off, it keeps growing. The idea of that is to find out where did this start? Where was the first time this happened? They might ask you that. When was the first time this happened? You know, and you go, oh, I wasn't thinking about it. Many times I'll ask that question to someone and they'll, they'll can't think. And if I ask it about four or five times, all of a sudden they go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I never thought of that. It happened here. And all of a sudden this memory comes back and they begin to see that, oh, that's what, that's, that's it. You know, and, and so that's sometimes what happens. It's just a matter of getting back to the root. It doesn't focus on the devil or the works of the devil, okay? Um, you have to look at the broader context. That's what I'm trying to, trying to talk about. Um, we have to come time, we have to unlearn old practices of, of how we think about things. You know, um, like I said before, that, you know, the deliverance isn't about exorcism. It's something very, very different. Um, it's very different in the sense that it sets us free without um, this a trauma, so to say, of, of, of this, uh, the ritual. Um, deliverance should be seen in the context of evangelization, proclamation of the kingdom of God, and it's because it's non-confrontational. Deliverance is not about the devil. It's about the person taking responsibility for their life. It's about you taking responsibility for your life, for your life. That's what it's about. You know, it's taking responsibility. We let the spirits push our buttons, you know, push the anger button, push the resentment button, push the self-pity button, and we let them push the buttons. And it's about saying, no, I'm tired of them pushing my buttons. I want to take, I want to take this back myself. That's what's happening. Um, imagine your heart, so to say, like a large table. Your heart's a big table, okay? And there's a bunch of chairs all around it, like a big, big Thanksgiving table, okay? Um, and we've got to realize that um, the, some of the chairs can be taken away. Well, who do we let sit in that chair? Well, if we let that person who hurt us in third grade um, continue to be in our mind, and every time we think about them, we start to boil inside, well, then we've got something there yet. And they're sitting at our table. That little spirit of anger and bitterness and revent, revent, resentment is still sitting at the table of our heart. You know? And so we've got maybe have different ones sitting around our, around our heart. We've got this little table here, our heart table. And now the good things and the, the, good things and the bad spirits are sitting all with the, uh, in those chairs. So imagine playing musical chairs. Musical chairs, and you, you, know, you walk up, you get a walk around, and you pull the chair out. And then all of a sudden you put the music off, and guess what? Somebody doesn't have a chair. And that's what we do with Unbound. It's pulling out one of the chairs. And what happens then? Your person stands there and goes, oh, you know, and you get kind of bummed out. And then you go, oh, what do I do now? Then you kind of go walk to the back of the room, you know. Um, and that's kind of what happens. You take away the chair and they have to leave. Same thing about the, the dentist thing, but take away the chair, they have to leave. So how do we take away the chair? Um, it's, it's what we're going to learn about. It's ultimately forgiveness. How do you take the chair away? It's forgiving. You know, there's the piece that takes the chair away. And so once they all get pushed to the back of the room because you took away their chairs, then you can tell them, I don't want you anymore. Get out of here. Leave the room. I'm locking the door. That's what unbound is. It's really a beautiful thing. Um, it's cleaning up the table. It's putting the right people around, the, around our heart that we, that we want there. Um, it's a very powerful thing. You know, as Catholic Christians, you know, we pray for, um, we pray for deliverance every day. Did you know that? 
Now, look at the prayer. What's the last words of the prayer? Our Father, deliver us from evil. Look at that. The Lord's Prayer is a prayer of deliverance. So why should we be afraid of the word deliverance? We say it every day. Every time we pray the, the, the Lord's Prayer, we say it how many times in the rosary? We say it in the Mass. We say it probably, it's who knows when, how many other times? It's a prayer of deliverance. It says, deliver us from evil. Or some versions, deliver us from the evil one. So that's a prayer of deliverance. The Mass, the rosary, St. Michael the Archangel prayer, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us from battle. You know, um, So it's a prayer of deliverance also, St. Michael. You know, there was a, when, when Neil was in Kenya training some people, you know, they were all shocked that they didn't have to jump and scream and, and do all these kind of crazy things to, because the, the spirits were harassing them. You know, so this is so simple. Anybody can do this. Yeah, that's the idea. It's so simple. Anybody can do it, even us. And, and so they were all relieved when they found that out. You know, deliverance in the name of Jesus, because only Jesus can. There's a little handout back there. Um, and and um, um, I don't know if anybody, anybody pick it up. Deliverance in the name of Jesus. Okay, it's back there. So grab it afterwards. And I'll tell you, the, I'll tell you where it comes from. Um, when I was, uh, this whole, ex- I, I, I knew, uh, had, had known, because I'd taken a retreat with the Monsignor SF. He's um, an exorcist. gets interviewed different times in different papers and things uh, from the East Coast. And he happened to be in Omaha. And I says, I, gotta, I need to come and talk to you. And so I went and talked to him. And he talked to me. And he helped me see in a very, very, um, a very strong way that um, how naive I was. And how um, foolish I had been, because I didn't know what I was doing. And, you know, he was uh, very, very polite, but very firm. And, you know, he told me something that I will never forget. Really, I had to be humbled in a very, in a very powerful way. I was ignorant, well-meaning, but very, very naive. Monsignor said bluntly, you can do nothing for yourself or anybody else. Now, as a priest, that's like sticking a little knife in your heart going... You can do nothing for yourself or anybody else. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus can. You know, that's a great one to remember. It's not about us. It's not about us helping this person and making this person's life right. Only Jesus can. He's the one. He's the one. You know, and so that's the reality of it. Only Jesus can heal you. Only Jesus can set you free. Only Jesus can protect me. Only Jesus can show me the way. Only Jesus can. He's the one that it's all about. He's the one who can, is the one who can help us. He's the one who does save us. Ephesians chapter 10. Finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we are not contending with flesh and blood but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the spiritual heavenly places. Therefore, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth around your waist and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. No, this is what we're called to do then. Deliverance is in the New Testament is always is the, of the kingdom. Deliverance leads to evangelization. When you experience freedom, what I see happen so many times to people, which is so awesome, is that they can't stop wanting to share it. They can't stop telling people. They can't stop it. I mean, how many of you learned about Unbound by somebody, talking to somebody? Raise your hand. About half of you. Yeah. You know what? That's where it comes from. 
You, you, when, you, when you experience God's freedom, and whether you do this today or not, I don't know. But you know what? I think you will. If it ain't this time, it'll be next time. Um, but you know it will. There's something beautiful. Because you can't stop telling. That's the gospel. That's sharing the good news. That's what we're all called to do. That's why, ultimately, Unbound is about evangelization. It's about inviting Jesus in the darkest part of our life, Neil told me one time. It's about inviting Jesus into the darkest part of our life and letting him bring light there. And that's the joy of the gospel. The five keys are are, are very simply applying the gospel to our lives. They focus on the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, that's where we are. And so we we come to that point of, of what is the enemy doing you know, what he's doing is his, his tactics, they, they include distortion of the truth, hiding our sin from our awareness, blocking our ability to know our Savior. And so we learn how to focus on the truth, how to focus on the person of Jesus Christ. And prayer is what targets the enemy's strategies. And so we don't focus on the devil. We don't focus on confrontation with evil or with the devil. We focus on the freedom in Christ. Freedom is found not in in knowing Jesus. Jesus then said to those Jews who believed in him, If you remain in my word, you will be truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We discover the truth of who we are ourselves. We see our hearts for what they are. We discover the truth about who God is, true mercy and love. We discover the truth of God through Jesus Christ in accounting his freedom. And deliverance involves doing our part. That's our part. It's not about, it's God wants us to take the step. He's going to be there with us. He wants you to decide, do you want to be free or not? Do you want to be free or not? It's your choice. We have to decide that we want to be free. We want to be rid of this stuff. We need his grace to surrender to him. Lord, I want to be free. I give you my whole life. I surrender it all to you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I don't want to hold on to my small bondages or my big ones. I want to give them to you. Help me, Lord, that my heart be pleasing to you. Amen.